Hello and welcome to SlayerFest 98. I am your special guest co-host Philip Ellis and today I am joined by regular host Ian Carlos Crawford. Hello. Hi. Philip, I'm so happy to have you back. I am always so excited to be here. (laughs) And at this point you're not even a guest co-host, you're just one of the co-hosts. Oh, I feel so special. Well, duh. Um, And today we are joined by Scooby and YA author Caleb Rarig. Hello. Bi Death Prefers Blondes. Yes, Bi Death Prefers Blondes. Now. (laughs) It's his newest book. It's a drag queen jewel thief uh, novel. Is that an accurate summary of it? Yeah. 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 It's kind of, I tell people it is uh, my action-adventure retelling of Hamlet about a rebel heiress and four kickboxing drag queens who steal art and jewels and run afoul of a deadly international conspiracy. Wow. I So I before we recorded, I told Caleb I just finished Death Prefers Blondes yesterday, and I did not... Once you said Hamlet, I was like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> that's, but that's exactly... I didn't actually realize... I didn't realize I was writing Hamlet until after I had oh, finished. Oh, <laughs> shit. Cool. And our other special guest is... Freelance writer and editor. Matt Willie. Hey guys. Hi. Hello. Um, Matt, it's so even though it's your second episode, it's your first regular episode. Um, would you like to give us your Buffy origin story? Yeah. Um, so I knew of Buffy for a long time, and it was one of the ones that, you know, it just sat on my Netflix queue forever. And then um I walked into the kitchen in my sophomore room. Uh, dorm room and my roommate was sobbing and I was like what's going on are you okay like are you hurt and she was like I just finished the finale of Buffy and I like I don't think I'm ever gonna get over it it's so amazing and so she kind of like forced me to sit down and watch the show and yeah so my first interaction with Buffy was very much like the show is going to ruin you. And uh, well, yeah, so I went into it kind of knowing that and the rest is history. I I love that. My first experience was walking into our kitchen, my mom sobbing, watching Buffy kill Angel. So <laughs> oh, oh there God. you go. <laughs> it's probably a good thing to go in knowing what the emotional stakes are rather than thinking, oh, this show is a show with like a, a, a goofy name. It's going to be yes. a fun watch. And especially as we go into this episode that we're talking about, Afterlife, which is setting up a lot of the emotional stakes for season six. Yes. Yeah. Um, so shall we, shall we begin, gentlemen? I would love that, yes. All right. Yeah. Okay, so I, we, we open immediately following the, the ending of Bargaining Part 2, and, and, and I kind of always forget with this episode, it's basically Bargaining Part 3, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we see uh, Willow, Tara, Anya, and Xander making their way back to the Summer's house, and they're talking about how, you know, they've, this revelation that the spell that they cast has worked, and Buffy's back, um, and we see the biker demons fleeing town, making with the big skedaddle, as Xander says, which kind of just proves that they really were the most poorly written villains. And, and as you said in the bargaining episodes, um, they, they, they've kind of, they serve their narrative purpose and they are just exiting stage left. I, I mean, I would, I would like to interject and say they are the most poorly written villains up until this episode. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about a, a, a monster that is a literal plot yes. device, then, then yeah. <laughs> I, I put in my notes <laughs> that, like, I'm so glad the biker demons were leaving Sunnydale to go back to Charmed where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like they, I, I do feel like we often on the show got like throwaway monster of the week, but it feels like the demon bikers and this fucking <laughs> ghost, whatever feel like really like bottom of the bin season two monsters yeah. of the week. I, I mean, here, here's what I'll say. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is the best time to say this in this episode, but I, I, from, from my experience as a writer, there are times when, when in the outlining process, you come up with this, great twist and there's going to be this huge moment where it it changes the stakes and it clarifies the motives moving forward and then you get there and you realize that you're basically setting off all these explosives and everybody's going to have to react to them and this episode feels very much like they hit a point and they were like oh we brought her back from the dead and she's probably pretty traumatized and we're going to have to have her deal with that so we're just going to make an episode where she literally kills her baggage and then it's over and we're done with it so it's sort of like a this episode feels very much like it was connective tissue that they kind of needed to do, but didn't know how to do. If that yeah. makes sense. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. They, 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 and, and the thing is obviously the, the ramifications are going to be sort of reverberating throughout the entire season with um, the, the depression metaphor that this episode kind of kicks off. Um, but yeah, it's sort of every story that they tell in this episode is really just it's, it's bargaining part three. It's, it's kind of continuing that story they try and tell the self-contained story with the the hitchhiker demon and and it's sort of so inconsequential because really it's just all about giving these characters a moment to breathe before they introduce the season-long arch nemesis disease next week. Yeah. Um and and so yeah, so 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 let, let's dig into that. So the the four characters are all kind of reacting to, to what's just happened. Anya says what they're all thinking, that they kind of screwed up the spell. They, she thinks Buffy's broken. And immediately Willow kind of gets very defensive and makes up all, all kinds of justifications for why Buffy might not be herself. Right. Um, she, she, she's kind of, she's convinced herself that Buffy was in hell because otherwise Willow would have to face the fact that what she did was, you know, arrogant and flew in the, the face of the natural order of things. Um, and so, it, and, and that kind of comes up again and again throughout the episode um and then the cold open ends with dawn bringing buffy back to the summer's house yeah so she's basically living the fantasy that she had back in forever um, yeah uh i before we move on to that i wanted to say the anya line she gets a lot of good lines in this episode but when she's like look fire fire is rarely a sign of imminent safety <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think i think that the one that maybe one of the reasons anya because i again we said this just before recording it's a great anya episode i think after bargaining part one and two we needed levity mm-hmm. yes and because and because the the storyline as it is of this episode is so kind of inconsequential there's a lot more room for banter between the characters you get some really nice scenes of just characters chatting um and and you get to kind of catch up with oh this is who they are now that Buffy's back in the world they're all resuming their regular roles in this show that we've come to know them as well there's also I mean there's so much heaviness in this episode just because of the nature of what they're dealing with and Anya is the only one who has the excuse to not have to confront any of these kind of emotional processes she's the only one who is not affected really so it gives her a chance to just kind of (laughs) to just be that person who says the completely inappropriate thing at exactly the right moment what's funny is i can remember like i remember watching seasons like five six and seven are the ones that i can remember like watching when they aired only because season three was when i started and then i fell out once i missed the finale 
And then I kind of like slowly crawled my way back to the show. But seasons like the ends of season five and all of season six and seven, I like very vividly remember watching. And I can remember, which I can't imagine now because Anya is my special favorite. (laughs) I remember being annoyed at her for that. I remember being like, can she stop? Buffy just came back to life. Like, can she have some compassion? Like, I remember being (laughs) so annoyed at Anya. And now I like want to hug her. And I'm like, yes, you're the best part of these episodes. (laughs) And she's right. Everything that Anya says is Uh right. But I I think it's, it's not that, Oh, you know, she's, she's being insensitive to, to Buffy, although she is, I think it's more a case of Anya's being that voice of reason that Willow really doesn't want to hear. And Tara and Xander are like, kind of just like, okay, sure. To whatever Willow says. Yes, because obviously Xander has always been like, she's his oldest friend, and he always thinks that she's the smart one, which she is. And Tara is so loyal to her. Um, Oh, I love Tara. (laughs) Um, And and so, so, okay, so so, yeah, so let's let's move along. So so Dawn brings Buffy home, um, and we get that really sort of very muted um, scene at the start of the episode where they're kind of going on a tour of the house, and Buffy's kind of being reintroduced to her life, and the, the way I connected with that is it's a bit like when you get home from your first semester away at university and your parents have repainted your room. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get back and everything's, it's still your house, but it's different. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, and there's that, there's that, um, I'd forgotten there's that lingering shot at the photo of Joyce. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which again, it is that, is that callback to forever. Cause I think it's exactly the same photo that Dawn uses in that episode um, in the spell. Um, and then also it's um, a connection with what she, the confession she makes to Spike at the end, which we'll, we'll right. get to. Um, but yeah, I just think, I think it's really, it's sweet, but really creepy seeing Dawn take on this caregiver role. Um, she's sort of, she's so desperately happy that her sister is back, that she's not really questioning it. And it, it feels a bit like, because Buffy is just this sort of mute kind of, you know, she's wandering around like a zombie. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's it's like something out of the Twilight Zone or maybe that storyline from the Sabrina reboot last year. You're kind of waiting for a sign that something's really wrong with her. It, it's very much like what we were just talking about, how, um, Caleb, you were saying, like, the writers now have to deal with, you know, the fallout of these, of her being back. And it's like the characters are dealing with the same thing where they're like, okay, you know, we planned up until this point and, like, we our our goal has been achieved and now Buffy is back and everybody's like, now what? Like what what do we do? I, I guess yeah. we'll give her a tour of the house she's lived in her whole life. Like I guess that makes sense. It's I, I appreciate it's like I appreciated that they had they are kind of are showing her being sort of shell shocked and traumatized and trying to reacquaint herself with this reality. And I, I think that by by the end of the episode, uh, you have a greater appreciation for this early part of the episode because you see where she's coming from and you understand why she's so sort of dazed um, to be in the house. But it is sort of like, I mean, to say that Buffy kind of sleepwalks through the entire episode would not, I think, be an overstatement. Um, and it and it does, yeah. there is a point where you're like, okay, okay. Like we this part we can shorthand, this whole like, some of that stuff, I think we could have just sort of, mm, all right. Um, I appreciated the the look at, at the picture of Joyce. I kind of wanted to see a little more payoff later in the episode with that, but we'll get there. 
Um, mm, yes. The, yeah. Yeah. The I one thing that got to me though, is that, so there's, you know, when Dawn flips on the light and Buffy's like, ah, my eyes, because of course she's been dead for whatever. And, <laughs> and is unaccustomed to the light, but then she goes upstairs and she's in the bathroom with the lights, like beating her in the face. And then she goes into the bedroom and Dawn turns on the lights. And Buffy's like, ah, my eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a little, it's a little um, inconsistent <laughs> with that. I want to say I actually, so in Bargaining Part 2, I was very hard on the Dawn Buffy tower scene because I get it. I get that they wanted to have like, oh, look, now Dawn's the one saving Buffy. Oh, look, they're back where they were when Buffy died. But it just yeah. I it just didn't quite work for me. And for me, this worked a lot better yeah. as like because for me, that was like way too heavy handed and it was just very obvious like, look what we're doing. Remember, this happened already. Like, that felt I, too much. I'm going to... Real talk, though. Uh, season six is the season in which the subtext becomes text. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that being said, I think Michelle Trachtenberg and Sarah Michelle Gellar are, like, doing really good work here. Yes. Like, Sarah Michelle Gellar's muted, like, almost pathetic, The like it feels PTSD and it does. And that's what it's supposed to do. And I think her acting conveys that like perfectly. And it's nice seeing Michelle Trachtenberg have to do the acting of, you know, we spent so much time in season five of Buffy literally having to do everything for Dawn. So for me, this parallel works better of like, Oh look, last season, Buffy did everything for Dawn. Now Dawn's having to even like button her shirt for her and like show her the light switch and shit like that. Uh, like I, I, that works for me and it's like pathetic. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in like a, Oh, I feel so bad. This is miserable. Yeah. No, uh, I, I agree. I think the sister dynamic really works between them, especially yeah. in this episode, maybe even more so than I felt like it did in season five, where you were still kind of getting to know who Dawn was and what her function in the story was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like this. And then I, a thing that I think most of the actors on the show are like weirdly so good at, but especially like Alison Hannigan, Sam Rashad Geller, and James Marster. So Spike comes in, and the scene when he's like, oh yeah, the Buffy bot, blah, 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 didn't think she'd get patched up, and then just stops, and his face makes like eight different changes with barely moving, mm-hmm. is ugh, so good. So I know we actually get a lot of like people mad that they think I don't like Spike, but I, I love Spike, I just have problems with him, and I think <laughs> he's a problem. But scenes like this, I tend to forget all those problems. So I'm just like, oh, this man, I love him. He loves her so much. And he is so fine in this episode. Oh, he is. (laughs) You know what? I I actually put this in my notes. I specifically think he looks hotter because while I'm a very big fan of like the bleach blonde look. Hello, Matt. I remember when you had it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think his hair looks even better because they don't slick it back. They let it just be messy. And I think it looks real good on him that way. That's, that's my absolute favorite spike hair too. I have to say it's, um, it's very Justin Timberlake to me. (laughs) Oh, Uh, you, you you ruined it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Thanks for that. I'm kicking you off the podcast. Somebody (laughs) had to say it. Somebody had to say it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so the scoobies then they get back um after after spike has realized that it's not the buffy bot and that he immediately twigs that she had to break out of her coffin and that's that's where she get 
got the wounds. So it's yeah. this big already oh, yeah. again. It's the start of them, start of them sharing all those those dark little secrets in the season. It's like again that's seeded there, yeah. um, and then the the others get back, um, and then it's just like, oh, it's I I I didn't really love this scene where they're all being like, oh Buffy, oh Buff, hey Buff, hey Buff, yeah, yeah. and it's like. Just and 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 Dawn quite rightfully just being like, oh my god, back off! Like she's just crawled out of the ground. I'm trying to like get the soil out of her wounds, right. and you're like in her face. Willow's like, did I do good? Did I do good? <laughs> do you want a pizza? <laughs> exactly. I think that this what, what's really interesting in this episode. So so Spike does most of the real heavy lifting. I think in this episode, like the yeah. the real like emotional stuff. His scenes are the are the best. Yes. Um, and I think what I like about this scene is that it, it really does start to set up a dynamic that kind of metastasizes throughout the season where Buffy draws closer to Spike and further away from her friends because this episode really does, you know, hear about is where we're going to start getting into the fact that while Buffy was gone, Willow really was the bad bitch of Sunnydale. Like she was the strongest fighter and sort of the central character. Um, and now that Buffy is back there's going to be sort of like this energy between them that doesn't quite sit well. Um, and so you're kind of seeing that where Willow is sort of the leader of this, the, the Scooby gang now, and Buffy is sort of on the outside. Yeah. And I really, again, I also really like the dynamic between Buffy and, and um, uh, Dawn in this scene where Dawn is defending her and protecting her. It's a sister thing. I, like. I do think <laughs> Michelle Trachtenberg is doing, I mean, her, her and Sarah have really good, like, weirdly good sister acting chemistry, I think. It's clear that they actually did like each other IRL. Um, yeah. And it's nice to see... I, I mean, I already said this, but it's just... It is nice to see Dawn... Because, right, like, I mean, I always defend Dawn, and I, you know, I could give you a million reasons why I defend Dawn, but in season five, it is very hard to defend her. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to defend her later on in season six, when she literally is yelling every other episode... <laughs> but it is nice to see her like we see that like she's not just this like selfish narcissist she's like oh no i love my sister hey you all brought her back from the dead what the fuck is your problem why are you all barking at her at once and i mean also <laughs> i get it like right the four of them are freaking out so ugh, i half of me is yeah. like okay i get it that's why they're all like asking her a million questions telling her the jet lag from hell is hell which is a good Anya line um yes. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i but yeah i just wanted everyone to like relax um yeah what and what, what i really liked in that scene is spike slips out yes. um kind of completely without fanfare he just leaves because he knows as well it's like oh well these are her friends i'm just gonna get out because obviously he's overwhelmed as well um i love then um, the scene after that when Xander and Anya are leaving the house and Xander seems like way too relaxed about what's ha just happened. Yes. Yeah. Like they just did like serious black magic. Um, you know, they, they survived being, you know, almost being raped to death by razor fingered <laughs> demons. His, his best oldest friend that he used to be in love with has clawed her way out of the ground. And he's like, Oh, she'll be fine. <laughs> um, and then Spike is the one who's really insightful here. He's and and you know Xander just thinks, oh, your crush on right. Buffy's going to come back. But Spike's the one who's like, no, I, I've got Willow's number. Willow knew this could go horribly, horribly wrong, and that's the first time that it ever occurs to Xander that Willow might not know everything, or that she might not be the the entirely in the right, and that she might have had had to have you know 
maybe kill something that come, came back and looked like Buffy. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. again, it's the it's the it's starting to create that more complicated relationship between Xander and Willow, which is going to come full circle by the end of the season. Yeah, I I feel like the it's almost jarring how how calm Xander is. That like really did get to me when like just the cut from them all yelling, and then when Anya and Xander leave, it's like almost as if nothing's happened. They're just like casually leaving the house, like everything's fine. Um, that interaction with Spike, I really love as well. And I think something that really stood out to me this watch when I was rewatching it yesterday was. Um, just the way that he like casually mentions how much he's been working with the Scoobies where like, you don't really understand up until that point quite how close he's yeah. gotten to them. Um, and it's like, it's very mm-hmm. obvious that even though he has gotten to them, he's still very much on the outsides of the group. Like he's not, he's not a Scooby to them. He's just yeah. like, he's helping. That was one of like my critiques of bargaining in part one and two that I do wish they had done like a lost or like a Veronica Mars or like in Caleb's book, last scene leaving where it's like, (laughs) fine, we get the present narrative, but give us flashbacks to what happened. Like I wanted flashbacks to the summer. I wanted to see them because we don't, you know, Buffy dies at the very end of the gift. There's not like, aside from them crying, we don't see them processing it. And then it's just, oh, now they're bringing her back. I think that was like a real missed opportunity to give us episodes of them Buffy-less and Sam Geller could have still been there because we had the Buffy bot. I think quite frankly, it would have helped this episode too, just to have some, I don't know, to have some moments where we get out of this. There's because there's kind of a malaise in this episode. It moves kind of slowly and it's all about them processing. And I, I think that, it would have been cool to have some emotional shifts it, it, like that, that those kinds of flashbacks would have given us. Yeah. It was when we get into the next scene with um, Willow and Tara getting ready for bed, that really made me wish that we'd seen more of the summer where they stepped into, where they were like the caregivers for Dawn and seeing the family, the, the new family dynamic there Yeah. to then see what it would be like with Buffy coming back yes. into it. Can we talk about how wonderful Tara is yeah. in that uh, scene? Yeah. Oh, this is the room you don't have to yes. be brave is such a wonderful I love line. it also i love the the weird art on the walls <laughs> i like the stuff hanging above their bed is so perfect for them because they are so weird and like yes. it's it's yeah. just like it's such a little touch that's like oh this is not joyce's room anymore this is you know willow and tara willow and tara's room and um like you just said it it really did make me feel as if we were missing out on this chunk of time where, you know, all this really great stuff seems to have happened that would have given us a bit more, um, you know, emotional ups and downs instead of this one sort of melancholy episode or three, I guess. It's funny because Kirsten White always said um, in the beginning of season five, she wishes we had waited on the Dawn reveal like we, they didn't reveal that she was placed there by, you know, these months until halfway through the season that we didn't need it, you know, four episodes in or five episodes in. And that's how I feel with Buffy coming back to life, that the show has earned our like viewership. We love yeah. it already. People weren't going to turn it off just because Buffy herself wasn't there. Right. Right. I mean, the show is still called Buffy. So like right. you, you would have yeah. known that she's right. coming back eventually. 
Um, it's like in like how, however many times Xena warrior princess died, you know, it's the show's still called Xena. <laughs> show yeah. like more of the, the comedy of Buffy bot pretending to be Buffy to like Dawn's friends or Dawn's teachers or, you know, that have like the really, like the scruple comedy stuff, um, next to the, the sh- scenes of them grieving. Yeah. Right. Yes. I, yeah. yeah. I think that's what's missing from, I feel like until we get. Even at least the nerds bring. I mean, they're not my favorite, but at least they bring a little bit of like that to the. Not even. I feel like not until not until like life cereal do we get like at least a little bit of a breakup, um, and then you know then we then we get once more feeling tabula rasa, which are absolutely stellar episodes. But I I do think we yeah. needed a little bit more of a like breakup to the like. This is miserable. Look how brown and beige everything is. Right. And, and these, when I had to, I think I had to ask Ian like two or three times, which episode are we talking about? Which one do I have to rewatch? Because these all do bleed together in my mind. Like Afterlife, Life Serial, Flooded, and then even into All the Way, which is the Halloween episode. It's just basically you've got this really, yeah, this really like bleak sort of three hours between yeah. the season premiere and the musical. Yeah, I, I think also yeah. and, in this episode in particular, it's like you kind of expect to go back to the monster of the week right away uh, in a sense. And yeah. it's like, since you don't actually get the hitchhiker demon until halfway through the episode, it's like a very quick, you learn about it and then it's gone like 10 minutes later, basically. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's like the first half hour is bargaining part three and the last half hour is like a weird standalone episode that. So, yeah. so speaking of that, I do think the ha- the first initial hauntings that one night, I like when Buffy plays on horror tropes, right? And I know mm-hmm. the whole show is kind of like that, but they don't often go into like, ooh, the Scoobies are scared other than, oh, we might die. But this is more like, oh, it's scaring them. And I do think the shot of Buffy, the way it's done with like the shadow completely covering her face is actually kind of scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. I love, I love the sort of that you are being led to believe it's just a it's kind of a straight up haunting to begin with um yeah the, the scene where buffy appears in the bedroom is so creepy the dialogue that she has is so good where she that call back to willow killing the deer and and, and the how just how yeah. dark that spell really was and just the way that because buffy is so sedate throughout the entire episode hearing that rage um, in her voice and calling them bitches and it's it's really unsettling yeah um, and like throwing the crystal ball at them and having it just be really violent and aggressive and then and then just like that it's it's over and she's gone um was really really good yeah i liked it too because uh, you know I, I watched this episode when it first aired in real time and you know <laughs> and, and at first you don't know that it's not actually buffy you don't know that right. this isn't that that they didn't bring her back wrong and this is you know after after Spike has talked about that if if she came back wrong, such as um, when they were in Forever, when, when Dawn tried to bring Joyce back from the dead, um, and they talked about this, if she comes back wrong, what are you going to do? Right, what yeah. What are you prepared yeah. to do? And, I, and I, it's funny, I remember in the previews them showing that scene of Anya cutting her face. Like, I remember seeing that in, like, Next Week on Buffy commercial. Um... And I don't know, I, I, I like those like horror things. I think they're actually pretty good. I wish we could have gotten a little more of them. Yeah. Um, because right then, from then on, they kind of very abruptly are like, oh, it's a hitchhiker, even though the, which I don't love the twist of it's a demon they created by the spell like that. Yeah. 
like tra- it's like it's like what uh caleb what you were saying earlier about how the subtext very much becomes yeah. the text in yeah. this season and it's like the the hitchhiker demon that you created with your words like <laughs> and your actions is now haunting you so it's it's very on the nose um yes. But I do like the horror tropes, um, especially this scene. I really, really like. And um, also, I wrote down in my notes the when Willow steps back into the bedroom and she just says, "What the frilly heck is going on?" And um, that was kind of the the best Willow part. I mean, I, yeah, it's a really cool idea that everyone involved in the spell is being haunted because, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's very much like, oh, this your consequences are coming back to haunt you. Um, and I feel like in another in another Buffy episode, or you know, they, they would have done that as it's it's kind of almost like um they they did it with the in the dark age with Giles and his old friends, and mm-hmm. you know, the demon that they were involved with is now kind of coming back to to um, to get his. Um, but what, what one thing I really did like when when Willow and Tara are stepping back into the bedroom, um, Tara says, "Do you know what she was talking about?" And Willow lies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's 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 just and again, so it's it's Willow is so arrogant that she has convinced herself Buffy was in hell to justify what she's do- doing. She is um, really kind of upset that Buffy isn't immediately grateful. And then when Tara asks her, what was she talking about? She lies to Tara about just sort of how mm-hmm. dark the, the, the stuff she's, she's involved with is, which kind of, and that pops up again when they're doing the spell at the end. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's the story of the episode in itself doesn't, isn't, isn't super thrilling, but it's basically just giving you all of the ingredients for the rest of the season. Yeah. 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 So then they all get the haunting, um, I wanted to point out that when Buffy looks at the photos on her mirror, I mean, they're all very clearly like season six. They were like, okay, we need to take some photos of you guys pretending to be friends <laughs> um, because like all of them are wearing the same outfits in every one of the photos. There's a photo <laughs> turned to the side in the right-hand corner of just three random dudes. Oh my God. <laughs> I missed I miss that because I was really focusing in on the photo of Willow and Anya and Willow's like smiling really widely and Anya's like sort of doing a, almost like a duck face. And it's just like, yeah. Who was Xander being like, come on, my two best gals, I want a photo of you. And then like, <laughs> oh, fine. And they both put all these fake faces because they still don't really like each other. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get the scene in the backyard, which I don't think we finished discussing who was going to be who, did we? <laughs> oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> Good point. We so- were all very upset that Philip was going to be Anya because all of us wanted to be Anya. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I called shotgun. Um, so yeah. So- <laughs> I'll be I'll be Xander. Uh, I'll do Willow. And since you're Xander, you get to be Buffy as well. Okay, then Matt. I'll take it. So Caleb, you're Tara. Yeah, I'm Tara. Yeah. Okay. Great. Are we ready? Ready. Yeah. Let's do it. Matt. Very bad. Very 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 bad. Bad. He's all traumatized. Well, whatever it is, it's not the the traditional haunting. Because it's not limited to one specific place. There's not, you know, a dead person. Not anymore. I bet it's a hitchhiker. A hitchhiker. Um, standard way to travel through dimensions. Some demon thing sees someone moving between worlds and grabs on for the ride. You mean like some hell beastie rode in with Buffy? Like we're responsible for this? Oh, assume crashed positions. I think we shouldn't have brought Buffy back. I knew it was going to end badly. I should have said something. Okay, fine, but what are we going to do? I mean, 
I'm feeling the need for some vigorous doing, you know? It's okay. We we just kill the beastie, and then all is good. We're rolling in puppies, right? Can we do that? Kill it? We killing something? Buffy, you're not supposed to be up. How, how are you feeling? Are you okay? So what are we killing? A demon you brought back from hell with you. Oh. It's not like she's making it sound. A little haunting type, boo scary, everything's normal. You shouldn't worry about it. Um, I remember something last night. Uh... Buff? Um, the photographs. Uh, of us. They changed. How did they change? They were dead. Uh, I mean, we were dead. Like, um, dead bodies? But but then they were okay. So, you know, I figured it was me that I was going crazy. Well, maybe you are going crazy from hell. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you are. And Buffy, we're, we're so glad. Yeah, this thing, this haunting thing, we'll fix it. And then we'll still have you back, which is, it's so important. Yes. It's wonderful. We should get to work. Yay. <laughs> that Anya line is so good. It is so, so good. good. <laughs> and Emma Caulfield, like, her comedic timing is so... I think, like, her and Charisma Carpenter are, like, so underappreciated with their like, comedic timing. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I, I did rewatch that scene um, when I was rewatching it today. I, I kind of did rewind that just because, yeah, the, oh, you're fine. No, you're fine. <laughs> so funny. So th- this is why I, like, barreled for this part. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wish Anya was right. And I also wish that Anya was right and the demon had been, it could have been a throwback to whatever demon they wanted, but it would have been a cool way to be like, oh, remember this? Buffy had killed this before and it was kind of difficult for her to kill this demon, you know, back in season three when she killed it. Even if it wasn't the same one, I think it would have added a little sense of urgency to the matter if it had been a demon that she had struggled with fighting before in the past. Yeah. Rather than like, this non-corporeal ghost that like annoys them because even when it cut Anya's face, the cuts went away. So it's not like it was, right. I mean, granted I wouldn't want that happening to me, but still it's not life or death. It's like, Oh, yeah. this is inconvenient. But that was my other complaint about the episode is that I don't think that they ever really like, they come up with this monster of the week, but it literally, it literally is just Buffy's baggage. It is literally just a one-to-one metaphor of Buffy getting rid of her baggage from coming back from the dead. They don't really establish any stakes. Like, what what are the consequences of this thing remaining in our world, other than it just being annoying? Right, yeah. I mean, they say, like, isn't the whole thing like, oh, Buffy needs to die, like, it might kill Buffy, but also how, I, I don't understand how it would kill someone if it, all the damage it does disappears Right. instantly. This is also... It's a moment where I'm missing Giles a lot, yeah. I think, because it's yeah. like Giles really helps set those stakes a lot of times. He's like, listen, no, this is like, this is going to be really bad if we don't figure it out. But when Giles isn't there, they're all kind of just, you know, <laughs> oh, like, let's make a list of all the demons it could be in. <laughs> Like, it, it doesn't feel like they're really, there's no countdown or anything. Yeah. And they basically are just guessing. And I, I do love that, again, um, the, the, the 
subtext becomes text because Buffy does just say out of the blue, I miss Giles and Willow is gutted. It's hilarious. So I, I, I did like that. And, and, and again, I think that's just kind of like a, a, a nice indicator of Buffy's mental state that she just says that and she has no right. concept of how it's going to affect the people around her. She's just sort of, you know, saying it because she, she almost hasn't realized she said it out loud. Um, so, so yeah, so then um, yeah. We, we get lots of research and, and Buffy goes off to patrol and we get yeah. that incredibly heavy-handed shot of Buffy standing in the cemetery in front of a statue with angelic wings behind her. I love that. I'm not going to lie. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, here's the thing, though, because I, since I watched this episode in real time, I was like, uh, like Buffy's short walk of exposition where it's like, it's literally just... <laughs> Like, it's like, here's the metaphor. Like they didn't even, they didn't even try. Like it was just, it was that obvious. Like in the moment it was that obvious. And it was like, oh. So, so... Like the shot exists to do nothing. Like it's not like if they had worked it into, I feel like in an earlier season, they would have worked that shot into her conversation with Spike. It would have just been a camera angle while she's talking to him. The focus yes. would have been on the conversation yes. and you would have had to look for that moment to notice it. I also noticed a lot more this time because um, now that it's I watched it on Hulu with commercials, like the feeling was very different going from like a commercial into that shot. Whereas, you know, if I had watched it the first time on Netflix and there weren't any commercials, maybe I just would have been like, oh, it like maybe would have flowed a little bit better. But now seeing it as it would have been originally, it was very jarring. Yeah, I mean... I get what you guys do. You're right. It is very heavy handed, but I love it. <laughs> I think because also like 18 or 19, however the hell old I was when I watched this, I think 19, no, 18, 18 year old Ian, lo- like probably would have thought that was like the peak of metaphors. <laughs> yeah. So then we get, they're doing the research, but I do love the dawn bit with Anya because again Anya oh my god same she's like oh I got you hot chocolate because you're a kid and she's like idiot she's like you can have mine (laughs) it's so good before we even get to that bit did you like um the little you know bit of social commentary we had is Anya's coming in saying that she went to the bookstore that became a book and coffee place and now it's just a coffee place um was it it's like it's it's like evolution but um (laughs) things like get what getting worse which just feels it it at odds with her pro-capitalist leanings well well, i feel like to her she's she doesn't give a shit she's just saying what it is it's almost like she's not saying like oh that poor bookstore she's just like this is what (laughs) happens okay (laughs) okay yeah but i i just liked it because it was like it's a funny little bit of it was placing it very much in like the early 2000s when there was a starbucks like popping up on every corner um, and then right. Dawn breathes fire because, okay. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I love that shot so much yeah. because it's so like out of nowhere. They're getting coffee and then all of a sudden Dawn is literally breathing fire. And um, also this time around, I I went back and looked again and you can kind of see the flamethrower, <laughs> which is like oh yeah a funny little thing. Um, and it just, it very much to me fit with like the Buffy, Buffy yelling, um, when it wasn't actually Buffy, it was like very, hush, very, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. very like horror movie as well, which I liked. 
it, I think it, it's that's the moment when it like the the apparitions go from genuinely quite creepy <laughs> and and good to just like oh okay like we're on we're, this is the budget <laughs> yeah because <laughs> when, when you when you just have Sarah Michelle Gellar and and you're just feeding her really creepy horrible yeah. dialogue that's gen you know she can act yes. and she can genuinely make she can bring that to life but when it's just like okay so we're gonna put like a line of fuel behind your cheek. <laughs> Um, and so, so then Buffy, uh, was it, is it Anya says evil things have plans they have things to do yeah. which I quite like her delivery of that line as well because you know she would know because yes. she used she used to be an evil thing um, and then we have um, the first of um, Buffy's two big scenes with Spike of the episode she yeah. she visits him in his crypt um, and they have that call back to the gift and he gives that really beautiful speech about how he fantasized that he saved her uh, over yeah. and over, which is which is how grief works, right? It's, yes. you, it's that kind of you're stuck in this loop um, of thinking how things could have been different, and just, he just he yeah. nails that that dialogue. Okay, wait. So I have <laughs> I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> so literally all of and they do so many of these type scenes starting from here until like the last episode. Every other episode, Spike and Buffy get a scene like this where Spike pours his heart out and I fall in love with him and I'm like a melty puddle. I'm like, yes, I love him so much because I'm a problem. And then, and then every time Buffy's just like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like a few times in season seven where she's like, oh, okay, we can cuddle. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, I'm sorry. I'm just like too emotionally numb for you. Like, but you keep, keep on loving me and I'll yeah. keep coming to visit you when I need to feel better about myself. <laughs> but so like, those are scenes when I love, love, love Spike. Um, so much so that I forgot about what number two was that I was going to say when I said I had two things to say. <laughs> These scenes are why... On the scale of Angel to Spike, but I lean more towards Spike, not because I dislike Angel, because I like her and Angel as people who love each other, but are no longer in love, but they have a love for each other. And I think yeah. they work well as characters that way. Because in the in sorry, in the right. timeline of the show, they spent like five minutes actually right. dating. Right. right. Whereas he, the Spike Buffy thing plays out over so much longer. Yes. I, that's yeah. for me, that's why, you know, and technically we get more seasons of her and Angel as people who just have love for each other but aren't dating or in love anymore. Way more than we actually yeah. got of them dating. So yeah, that's 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 why Spike works for yeah. me a little bit more and he's Oh, puffs his chest to show how like cool and tough and punk rock he is and flexes his very defined muscles. But really, <laughs> he's like a poet and a softy. So like, ugh, well, the thing heart. is, they earn they earn her relationship with Spike. I think I, I, at the at the time when I was first watching it, I I think you know six seasons in some of the characters, some of your ideas about the characters are very firmly entrenched and it's hard to break out of it. Um, and and there was a lot of resistance, I think, to Buffy and Spike because of who Spike had been yeah. prior to this. But I also think Buffy herself has changed quite a bit. And these yeah. scenes really establish the fact that, you know, she now she and now she and Spike have something very much in common. They both come back from the dead. And yeah. she needs somebody yeah. that she can talk to who's been there. She needs somebody who, you know it's not a surprise that he is the only one she's able to open up to. Her friends have all these expectations. Dawn needs her to be her old self again. Her friends all kind of seem to need her to be her old self again. And once I, I actually think it's a little bit brilliant. Once again, Buffy has to step up and be the protector of the entire group because 
they've been without her and they've had their own grieving process and she needs to fulfill a specific role for them and she does her best to do it. But Spike is the only person that she doesn't need to wear a mask around. It's kind of like when Tara says to Willow, you're in the room, you don't have to be brave. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think something about this scene in particular that really stood out to me was that, um, that Spike is almost more human than Buffy in his reactions and his emotions. Um, He, you know, he's very like, he's very sad and he's grieving and he's, you know, showing a lot of very human emotions where, you know, Buffy is very numb and having trouble, you know, saying what she's feeling, um, at least till the end of the episode. So in this scene in particular, he's, he's almost appearing as more human than she is. If you're looking at them side Mm -hmm. by side. Yeah, that's really accurate. Then we go back to the magic shop and I actually do, this is such a throwaway scene, but I really like, Willow's like thomogenesis or however the hell you say it. And Anya's head perks up and goes, she's possessed. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the beginning of that scene when it's just Xander and Tara looking out at the sunrise because they don't, they don't share many scenes together and they just have, it's a really short conversation. But again, it's touching on so many of the themes of the season where Tara doesn't want to think that Willow is capable of doing anything wrong but Xander is starting to realize that his old friend is really changing. Yeah. And that Spike might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked, um, and again, it's obviously very heavy, heavy handed, but um, when they're talking about the sunrise and uh, Tara says something to the effect of, it's like, you're seeing it from the wrong side. And I thought that very much summed up like the feeling of these first three episodes is like, you know, it's, it feels right that Buffy is back, but everything else kind of feels wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that line too, yeah. Um, So then we get the uh, sort of bit of exposition that they created the demon with the spell um, and that the demon is linked to Buffy um, and that it needs to kill Buffy um, and that they can't kill it without killing... Although they can't can't magic it away without also undoing the spell. Um, And then Dawn becomes like incredibly instantly terrified that Buffy's going to be taken away again. Um, and it kind of feels like they're all finally dealing with their grief and get, and they can kind of get it out in the open now because it's it's safe to do so now because Buffy's alive right. again. Yeah. Like all of the emotion that we've been waiting for for like the last three episodes is finally starting to But come it's out. also so fast, I think, which is for me a little yeah. bit of a pacing issue. It's like we get to find out what the demon is and then we find out that, oh, actually yeah. it's really linked to Buffy and maybe Buffy's going to die. And then almost immediately after Dawn freaks out, we find out that it's temporary. So it's like really very fast how it moves through it over, like if we're thinking about this as a three-part episode and then like this kind of demon that comes in at the end, it it its downfall is so fast. It's yes. like, oh, actually it's temporary. That's great it's not even about this demon. Like the whole episode of the demon is just a, it's a MacGuffin. It's just sort of a, and is literally just a thing that exists so that it can be destroyed. And with it, we can get rid of all of the baggage that Buffy has. And it's like, you know, in that, in that final scenes where she's decided to put on this brave face and just be who they need her to be. That is all like, it's, this is just a metaphor for her getting over all of this, all of this stuff so that she can be that person again. And 
it it is it's kind of clumsy it's like i don't understand like because they like i said they never establish the stakes i don't understand what the like what the real danger is if if this thing is temporary and it's not actually killing anybody or really doing much of anything then i i don't understand what the what the urgency is yeah i mean right because once they figure that out they suddenly it's like boom they did a spell buffy's fighting this like incorporeal ghost thingy and it's like a floating egg and then she chopped its head (laughs) off the moment it becomes like i actually thought it looked kind of cool especially considering that it was a no like throwaway demon yeah um once it was fully fully formed but then she just immediately chopped its head off and it's like okay we're done yes literally like immediately chops its head off (laughs) yeah the 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 stakes in that scene actually come from uh tara and willow in the in the magic box really yeah because there's actually more drama or in my opinion at least in they're doing this kind of you know very uh beat poetry kind of spell to (laughs) give the the, the monster form and then willow just um it's sort of a it's it's a really sad reversal of that really amazing first scene from hush where they 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 touch hands to to do that magic and then move the vending machine together um willow pulls her hands away from tara to just do the spell herself um like just with a single word she gets it done yeah um which again it's just like oh okay so this is this is the road that you're going down um and then so yeah so then it's um it sort of implies that then uh, the the next scene when dawn's going off to school it sort of looks like it's the next day but then it implies it's been a couple of days because she says buffy says that dawn hasn't been to school right um while she's been back which i guess Again, it makes sense. You you know, you've you've been she's been without her sister for three months and she wants to, to be yeah. with her and also to make sure she's okay. But it, again, it's just sort of like, oh, one throwaway line to kind of just get get us a bit further along. It's 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 kind of that episode in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean the, the timeline um, of yeah. the episode itself isn't great because it's all supposed to be the same day, right? Like it's like twenty four hours from the first episode. Yeah. Giles just left yeah. for London and they're like, Oh, we're gonna call him, but like in the timeline of the show, it's been four hours. He would not. He, he wouldn't have landed. <laughs> he wouldn't have even made it out of United States airspace yet. <laughs> that's that's an eleven hour yeah. flight, London to LA. Yeah. It is. I've been on that flight. <laughs> they they were not allowed to use their mobile phones on airplanes in two thousand. So then we get yeah. She gives her the lunch. I think again, SMG is doing really great acting. But yeah, I'm like, don't they all notice how dead eyed she is every time she says yes, thank you, and hugs them. So yes. I quite like that there's a she she manages to inject a little bit of humor when she says I'm going to start charging money every time someone asks me if I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Dawn gives her that line which again is just like very very on the nose where she says we just want to all see you be happy yep. and it's like oh my god the de- the pressure of everyone asking if you're okay and wanting you to be visibly happy it's like I can't believe I missed the depression metaphor the first time I saw it. <laughs> I did I did really appreciate the like Buffy as mom moment of this scene where it's like she's kind of stepping into Joyce's shoes a lot more than she has in the past that we've seen. Um, It's like, I thought it was really cute in that sense, at least. And obviously again, very on the nose, but not so much in the exact, it's like a nice tonal change. It's sunny again. It's like, yeah. It seems like things are going to get better finally. It's not going to be 
as you know one note anymore so i i appreciated that about about yeah, that scene this it it it's sort of like in the same way that the babadook is a metaphor for depression <laughs> and how it's this horrible destructive force and you can't get rid of it you you can control it and and live with it but you can't get rid of it this is you know the kind of like grief and all this other stuff is a horrible destructive force but you can chop its head off and then everything's fine <laughs> 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 just wait till you get to the magic is drugs <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. um so so then buffy arrives at the magic box and gives this big phony speech about how happy she is to be back and how grateful she is and i just want to take your guys opinion because obviously we know from what comes just immediately after we know that she's lying is like how keen are her friends to believe her? Because that speech reads as obviously fake to me. Yeah. Like they should be able to tell she is not telling the truth. I think that they want so badly to believe that it's the truth. I mean, certainly yeah. Willow does. This is this is just confirmation bias for her in the same way that that she has she's needed Tara to kind of enable her and tell her, yes, everything is mm-hmm. fine, everything's going to be fine, because that's the narrative that she wants to believe. One other thing that I, I I never realized until this this time I watched it, um, when she says, you guys brought me back. And Tara says, no, Willow did it. Willow was the one that knew what to do. And Buffy says to Willow, you did that. And it's like an accusation. Yeah. Hmm. And it's like, oh, and they're standing at opposite ends of the magic box. And it's just like the finale. Yeah. Um, and I, I, again, I, I'd never, again, it's just one of those big parallels that I'd never picked up on, but it's like, oh, she has now this resentment to her, all of her friends that she has to play this role when she thought she was done, but also it's like Willow specifically. And again, it's setting up that thing of who's in charge and, and who, who yeah. knows best. I, I actually didn't even realize that until you just said that. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's all the more painful because Willow is her closest yeah. friend. Right. Yeah. And I do, I love the scene of her and spike at the end i can remember watching that scene and going fuck yeah when she revealed (laughs) that she thought she was in heaven um yeah did you did you guys like did you were you able to tell before you watched it for the first time the scene with the angel it just totally tipped it right off like that that made it so clear there there were other there were like hints i mean if you watch her behavior i i I felt like right there were indications but then that moment with the angel that was where i was like oh okay so she was in heaven and part of it is they keep saying she was in hell she was in hell without any proof which sort of says that maybe she wasn't (laughs) right yeah yeah i i got it spoiled for me because it aired ever so slightly later in the uk um and we had the internet then so it was kind of like reading all of the i wasn't sure whether i'd read whether it was just like a fan theory or whether it was confirmed and then um kind of as I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is all kind of, yeah, she was, she was definitely. It's it's funny, Philip, because I always feel, especially back then, there's the things I read, I can never remember if it was actually spoiled or just a fan. Like I can never remember. The, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause right. There were so few actual like things that weren't just a posting board. <laughs> right. Yeah. So one thing that she says in this incredible speech to Spike, and I mean, to, to, it, it's a very like fantasy oriented dialogue. So to give that the emotional depth it deserves, she is just doing all of the acting and it's great. Um, and one thing that they never ever say it, but this scene makes me feel like it is canon that she was with Joyce. Yeah. 
Mm. Don't make me because cry. she says she was. She was. I think the the, the word she says. I was safe. Yeah. I was loved, which makes me think she was. With and I don't Pamela. understand why they didn't just have her say so <laughs> after after that establishing shot where she looks at the picture of Joyce and she clearly has this moment. Well, wait. So I will say I appreciate as as a, a grumpy atheist that I am. I appreciate the show doesn't quite <laughs> land one way or the other. She just says that she felt loved. She felt okay. She doesn't say like, oh, I went into these gates and there were all these (laughs) angels and I saw mom. Because for me, that would have been very clear cut. Oh, there's a heaven. I appreciate the show never lands one way or the other about that kind of thing. So she tells Spike she was in heaven or whatever. um, And then tells him, she tells him, very important thing she says to him. One, she reveals that to him. Two, she reveals that this is basically hell. And three, she says that she can be alone with him, which are like very important things for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this is like a scene where I'm, again, sold on them because I'm like, oh, she does. And I think, Philip, you said earlier, the darkness, like, right, they can relate on that level now. And I don't know, for me, it does set up a lot of that. I just, I, I, I love that she acknowledges that she can sit in the shadows with Spike and share her darkness with him, but then she always leaves, she will leave him in the shadows because then she says, they can never know. Right. I'm giving you the secret to keep. I'm going to go back into the light and just keep yeah. faking it, basically. Which is that, it's the Spike Buffy kind of relationship of that season of he is always in the shadows and she's sometimes in the shadows with him, but she's also sort of standing in the sun with her friends, yeah. just kind of pretending everything's okay. And it's just, yeah. the, everything about that scene is perfect. Yeah, this, it's, it is one of a few scenes in this episode that really, really works, that lands really well, that does, does the work it needs to do. It's like they saved up all the good writing for the final, like, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen, favorite outfit, Matt? Um, okay, so everything Anya wears, but specifically she wears, like, this uh turquoise jacket with this big belt at one point yeah which oh, I in the beginning yeah 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 <laughs> caleb oh my gosh i have so much to say i don't these the cost i don't understand i don't understand the costumes it's, <laughs> so so season three buffy wore all these cute dresses remember the prom why did they bury her looking like whistler's mother I oh don't my God. <laughs> and then and then at the end, that outfit that she's wearing, it, did she steal that from Jenny Callender's corpse? It, like, it looks like that, <laughs> that kind of like long sort of like like the maxi skirt and then this, this sort of like diaphanous top. It looked like she just ripped the sleeves off it. I didn't understand it. I did not understand any of that stuff. I think I think if there was costumes that I liked, I, I liked Willow's that um, her kind of like witchy lesbian, the blue, the blue top that she's wearing when they yeah. cast the spell. And right. I liked... I liked Anya's red jacket that she's wearing when she cuts her face open. <laughs> I thought those were pajamas. Oh, the pajamas! Yeah, exactly. I wrote that oh, down yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, the pajamas. Yeah, that's what it was. I liked. I liked her pajamas. <laughs> All right, Philip. Um, so I think we have the same favorite outfit, by the way. We do. I mean, I, I, I think that the the costuming in this episode makes a lot of sense. In that, um, when when Dawn first gets Buffy home, she dresses her in white, but then when Buffy dresses herself the next morning, she dresses all in black. But um, it's the exact same type of. It's like the exact same type of button up, but in black. Yeah, it, it's just like they got they went they went to Target and got some Oxford shirts. Um, uh, so and also like when yeah, everyone else is wearing like quite a lot of color on the episode just to show how dark Buffy is. Um, 
I also think that the, the 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 thing she wears at the end, the weird two piece, it's like the same colorist the outfit that Joyce dies in. It's just like not, and yeah. it's the same color as her hair. It's just a, it's a lot of beigey brown. I don't like it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my favorite outfit is when they're all sitting in the backyard, and I wish that they would have more scenes sitting in the backyard. I really like that. Um. <laughs> It's oh, sorry, I keep getting distracted. So my favorite outfit uh, is Anya's outfit in that scene where she's wearing this sort of purple pinstripe pants um, and then a kind of like camis- like a frilly camisole top. Um, and it, it felt very over the time, but it's quite cute. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah, my favorite, my favorite outfit is just Anya's outfit in the backyard scene. I also wondered, what do we all think of, do we think that backyard was the backyard of the house or like actually a set? Because when they show the front of the house, it's actually the front of the house. Like, I've been there. Because they don't often show it, yeah. right? I think it's like, there's, a, there's a, all the potentials train there it's, um, in season seven. It's when and... Tara dies. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, oh my God. and Buffy and Spike sit there together at the end of Fool for Love. I suspect that it was a real backyard. I don't know if it was the backyard to that house. All right. That was just like a throwaway question I had. Um, okay, favorite scene. Philip? Um, so it's going to have to be the, the speech that Buffy gives at the end because, uh, and, and and thank God it's so good because it is in every previously on for the rest of the yeah. series. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that and Joyce's dead body are in every previously yeah. on forever. <laughs> um, it's the, I think I was in heaven. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's brilliant. And, and yeah, it, that is my favorite scene of the episode. It made the pre- preceding 40 minutes worth <laughs> all right uh caleb i think i think for me it's i I love that scene um but for me my favorite is it's one of the other two scenes that she has with spike either the moment that he realizes that she's not the buffy bot or else that moment where she seeks him out when she says she's going to go patrol but instead really what she's doing is looking for somebody that will understand her and they have this moment where they're just sort of talking and they don't get into the really heavy stuff but it's the beginning of the connection that sort of flourishes between them throughout the rest of the this the season matt um i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say fire breathing dawn is my favorite scene um just because it's like so out of nowhere and like low budget and um i really love the on the anya quips that come right before it so uh yeah i think that's my favorite of the episode i think it sums it up pretty well yeah i think i think i'm gonna go with green with all of you um (laughs) i like the end scene with spike i think is in my head that's the best scene but i don't know that it's my favorite but i think it's the best scene of the episode and then followed closely by Dawn breathing fire. And then also uh, the scene in the backyard of Anya being like, oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> uh, all right. So where do we land on the episode? Uh, Matt, what do you give this episode? Um, I'm going to give it a B minus because of Anya. I think it, it would have been in okay. C territory, but I'll give it a B minus. Uh, Philip? Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree. Uh, C plus it's I mean. It was a very unenviable task that they had in, in just like Caleb said, uh, yeah. sort of connecting the big event of the premiere with then kind of trying to transition back to a regular season. Um, so yeah, C plus. It, it's just, it, it gets the job done, but it's not ever going to list on anyone's favorite Buffy episodes. I I gave it C plus slash B minus. Um and I put that it felt like a B-side of season three, 
the plot of the monster. Feels like a B side from season three. Um, yeah, but all right. Thank you, gentlemen, all for joining us. Thank you, Philip. Thank you as always for being a lovely co-host with me. You're um, welcome. And everyone, thank you for listening. If you like our podcast, you can subscribe to SlayerFest98 on iTunes and go ahead and rate us if you like us. If you don't, you don't need to rate us. And you can find us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. You can also find us on Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can subscribe to our Patreon, SlayerFest98. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm Ian X Carlos across all platforms. Philip, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L and Ellis with two. And Matt, where can everyone find you? Um, I am at Dogzaddy on most social media because I don't know how to be a professional person. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I often think when I see your handle of the first episode you were on, when it was like five of us, and you went last, and you were just like, uh, well, my handle is. (laughs) Kayla, where can everyone find you? On the Twitter machine, you can find me at um, Mike Labreg, M-I-K-A-L-E-B-R-O-E-H-R-I-G. And <laughs> sorry. Such a mouthful. <laughs> and then, I know. And then on Instagram, it's just at Caleb Rarig. And you can find him on Amazon by his book. Yes. yes. <laughs> Death Prefers Blondes and all of his other books. Last Scene Leaving is... I cannot stop telling everyone to buy that book because... It's fantastic. Death Prefers Blondes. I just finished it. It's also fucking wonderful. And it has drag queens. I mean, come on. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll see you all next time. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.